Hi, this is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast. The podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're talking to Troy Cooper about progress towards no place left in Southern California. I think when we first moved out here, we were, it was a lot of training. Like, you know, five years ago, we um, were finishing up a training cycle with a number of churches. And I think after we, and that was when the first uh, church in a home was started that we, that we would like kind of put on the gym map, you know, and uh, we were celebrating like people being trained and gospel shares. And then over time it went from celebrating gospel shares to celebrating decisions for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that was probably been two years ago. Then it was celebrating baptisms, like on a regular basis, we're hearing about baptisms. And then it was, you know, on a regular basis, hearing gatherings and now churches. And now, now we're at a point where we're starting to bump into leaders um, that have vision, like on a regular basis. Um, So just seeing that progression Mm. over the past five years and and that's with a lot of sending that's taken place in the midst of that so um yeah i mean i'm encouraged and i think the us being out together in public has been as i shared last time it's just been very catalytic not just with entry but i'd say with entry gospel discipleship Mm. church and and leaders but then 2020, so two years in, COVID hits, we start to gather more frequently online and we start going through Paul's journeys together. It was like we had more time to, to dig in together. And then that summer, um, because we had seen gospel shares persist without a whole lot of people saying yes to Jesus, summer of 2020 is when God just started saving people. Like people started responding to the gospel across the board. Um, and it was like, it was as if we'd been training for battle, doing exercises, the things we're supposed to be doing. And then all of a sudden we're, we're put in battle or we're in practice and now we're in the game. And we got to see like, oh, this is what it looks like when God is moving in a way that a lot of people are saying yes to Jesus. Parker and Jesse were started doing these worship gatherings on the beach. They had had like an evangelism conference that they had planned for like over a year that they called saturate and everything was locked down. And so they pivoted and started doing these worship gatherings at the beach and they were, they weren't legal. Like, like they were being cited. He was facing jail time over this, but the Lord told him to do it. So they did it. And when they told me about it, I remember thinking like, who is going to come to a worship gathering that's lost? And because it was like, they really want to see people come to Christ. And I thought, you know, like, well, who's going to come to this? Well, thousands of people came. So good thing they didn't listen to me. And, um, and they saw over a thousand baptisms in a few weeks. And one of them or two girls that we baptized was the start of zeal church. Um, you know, two girls that we saw, uh, you know, they asked us to come out on the last day and, 
and help with some baptisms. And uh, Rick and I got to baptize two girls and the, the guy who brought them named Shane, we followed up with them and did the 411 and shared, you know, identity and, and met with them the next day and started working through the commands. And, um, and then they came to our church on Sunday morning. And uh, then the next day we met with Shane and cast vision from the Bible. And we gave him a, like a, a tool that he immediately shared the gospel with a lost person. And then he trained a believer that he met, you know, like, um, and, you know, and then he did a worship gathering that he and, and four people got saved and they baptized those four people. And, and next thing, you know, you got this, this church that has, you know, over is, has lasted over two years and they've seen dozens of baptisms and, and started other churches and, um, sent missionaries. And, um, so that, that's one example of, of, you know, what we've seen God do through these other networks. We just got to steward the two baptisms of the thousand and have, have seen, you know, a, a sustained church that's reproducing disciples of churches. Um, so yeah. And, um, I think through that also like the, the different networks of churches have become more established and the leaders are, are relating to one another. Um, Rick and I took our, we, we were like, meeting with these area leaders together a lot. And once, once the work started to spring up at zeal with Shane and those, that, his Oikos, Rick and I pivoted our time towards that. That was like, this is going to be an all hands on deck. And so Rick and I focused on that new work and puck took the reins on the, along with JT on the broader, like leaders across the city. Rick and I um, ended up like prioritizing our time with Shane and the emerging work in, uh, in Orange County with zeal church and those new disciples. And we were meeting with them daily. And, um, and we found that it was hard to get them to come up to LA County. Um, that like the, the divide between Orange County and LA County, they call it the orange curtain. Um, and so we had to go down to them to the point where Rick moved down there. Um, and then, and then shortly after, I don't know, probably six months later, Rachel and I moved down there with our family. And, um, so we focused our efforts and put our time on that new, uh, work. It was like, you know, and, and we weren't traveling anymore because of COVID like COVID forced us to focus locally Mm -hmm. and, um, and then puck prioritized his time with the other leaders across. Um, and we were still, you know, in movement church together and, um, you know, interacting locally as, as leaders together. But, um, you know, the majority of our time was hands-on discipleship in Orange County and the majority of his time was coaching the leaders, um, along with JT. So, um, and, and it was, man, it wasn't all hands-on. It was, it was a lot of spiritual parenting, a lot of late nights, um, and, and, and going with these guys into Oikos, meeting with them in their home, like a lot of them wanted to meet daily. And there was, um, we were going through the commands, but there was also a lot of, um, just time, you know, uh, getting in the word, you know, like, um, then they really responded well to being around Rick and Jenny's marriage and around our family. Um, so my kids, 
um, especially my older three were very much a part of that. Um, so we mobbed with them. Um, and, uh, you know, at, at the time, um, I just, I mean, looking back, it was, I think it was a key decision at the time. It just, it just made sense. Like we, it was kind of an automatic decision. Like, Hey, these people need, let's go spend time with them. The first few months, it was all celebration, you know, like, oh, like every week people were getting saved and baptized. Um, Oikos is, you know, it's just, it became a place for extended Oikos, you know, like friend of a friend heard about this gathering and because all the churches out here were closed. And so I think that's what was happening was God was moving and people were saying yes to Jesus, but they didn't have anywhere to go. And so, um, you know, they, they they find out about their friend is going to zeal. So then they, they bring their friend to zeal and they get saved and baptized and, and they start to get discipled by their friend. Um, we, we had some witches, we had, you know, we had a, a like a, a spectrum of people that, that were coming to faith in Jesus, um, because their friends were reaching them with the gospel and discipling them. A girl named Sabrina shows up one night with a friend or two friends. And, um, and she, uh, she was a practicing witch and she, um, you know, was just really, and you could tell just by looking at her. And, um, she had a friend with her who was battling with drug addiction and another friend who, um, was struggling with, uh, was, was planning to terminate her pregnancy. And, uh, they were, friends with somebody that was there, they show up. Um, the girl who was the, uh, Sabrina, um, during the worship time, she just opened up and shared, you know, I have been, um, you know, basically following the devil and, and, and I, you know, my, my parents took me to church when I was little. And so I, I know Jesus is real and I want to follow him and I didn't have a place to go. So when I found out this church was meeting, I could not wait to get here. And she started sobbing and said, mm-hmm. like, I am so thankful for this church. And she's like, I want to follow Jesus. And then her friend said, you know, had shared about some addiction that she was struggling with. So, and then her other friend talked about pregnancy. So we prayed over them. And, and then the next day we, we went down and we all hopped in this, you know, caravan down and to the beach and, and, uh, uh, the first girl, um, that was baptized at Pirates Cove. Um, she baptized this girl and, and she and another girl began to walk with, with, uh, with Sabrina in discipleship. And it was not a quick, like, you know, like there was, there was some heavy lifting, um, that, uh, that these women had to do. And, but then, um, Sabrina, after a few weeks, um, took all of her books and, um, it was like, you know, was it Acts 19? Mm-hmm. Um, she took all of her books and, uh, Rachel was there and Maya was there and a couple other women who had been pouring into her and she burned all these books at the beach, uh, satanic witchcraft, you know, um, something that had personally belonged to Anton LaVey. Um, so it was, I knew there was, there was a lot of money spent on these and tarot cards and she burned them all. And she was just like, I'm so sorry, Jesus. I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so there was radical transformation, um, in that girl's life. And, um, 
And, uh, and again, it wasn't like a, Oh, you know, Hey, quick, like, like overnight, you know, like it, it was, it was weeks and months of, of, uh, of hands-on deception. Matt Foshi had come in and, and he spoke into, you know, you know, all the warfare that they'd seen in Utah and he and Tyler were able to kind of press in on some things. And so it was a process, but, um, you know, so that's one example of, you know, the word is out among the Oikos that there's this church gathering in a home and there was just a hunger for the gospel and community that we had not seen before. Mm-hmm. About a, a, a year after Zeal was started. So you have the church on Ritter and JT's home. You have Movement Church that, that started about a year and a half later. You had Zeal Church that started. Um, and, uh, so at Zeal's, so that Zeal is a third generation church at, um, at the one year kind of like Shane wanted to do like a one year, uh, celebration at the beach. And, um, and it was just a night of testimony and it blew my mind to hear how many people were talking about. It was like their personal relationship with Jesus. Like they, they were just gushing about Jesus. There was just a love and affection for Jesus, an expression of being in the word and a depth of community that they had been long. Those are the common themes that we heard in the testimonies. And it was so powerful. And And then the next week, they sent a girl in the mission field to Central Asia, and one of the guys started another church. So it was the first, like, and that ended up being a fourth-generation church that was started out of there um, on a college, local college campus. And the guy that was commissioned out of there to start that church just married my daughter a few weeks ago. (laughs) So this is where it gets personal. Once that fourth generation church was started and um the tools for like the tools that were being used at zeal like three-thirds man's christ church circle Mm -hmm. like shane began to see oh this is where those are really valuable Mm -hmm. because um those will help them be able to more easily reproduce what's happening here Mm -hmm. and um so I think that was really clear. It's like, I think Nathan Shank says, you know, church is a reset button. And, and I understand what he means by that. Like, it's just the next generation is really clarifying. Um, and uh, so they were able to take what they had learned from being a part of zeal. And it was just what they knew, you know, like they gathered, they had the, the commands of Christ to set the DNA. They had the church circle to establish their ecclesiology. They knew what to do when somebody said, I mean, it's like the first week they had a baptism and it was a guy that was one of DJ's roommates that he'd been praying for, for over six months and God saved him. And he was able to baptize him that first week. And so, so it's a church that started with making disciples and, um, and they haven't stopped. Um, just this, I don't know, probably three weeks ago, that, that guy, his name is Adam, who got baptized the first night at Rise Church. Um, three weeks ago, his friends from Seattle came down, and they're they're hanging out. And 
they're talking about how, man, there was this like college ministry that used to meet up here that people all over Seattle came to, but the guy ended up taking a job somewhere else. So it's just stopped. And Adam is like, dude, you see what God, like, you know, I'm different. You see what God's doing in my life. Well, let me tell you how that happened. Mm-hmm. And so then he pulls Shane in and, and they're casting vision from the Bible about what God, not only what God has done here and seating and acts like what God could do up there. And uh, tonight, like right now, mm. they're, they're meeting for the first time. They've got a gathering uh, in, in a real, you know, in, in the Seattle area. And, um, and so like, we're starting to see stuff spread among Oikos because it's on a college campus, it's going back um, to other cities. And uh, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, DJ came up to me and said, dude, guess what? Like over the summer, some folks went home, um, from rise church. They went home over the summer and, and, and some of them, um, are in South Africa and they started a gathering. Like they started a rise is what they call it. Hey, let's start a rise. And so that's a fifth generation church that's multiplied to South Africa. And, um, and they did the same thing. They use the commands of Christ. They use church circle. They gathered, they're making disciples. So like, it's like, okay, God's, God's, he's, he's behind it the whole time, but it's like, you really know, okay, they, like they, they don't even know who the heck we are. You know, they don't, they don't even know they're calling it a rot, you know, like, um, the Lord's starting to multiply this beyond down lines of Oikos. We listed out all the counties in Southern California. That was one of our, our visions was, you know, a church in every county and by God's grace, there's a church in every single county since since five years ago when that church was started in JT's home and, and keep in mind, he still was pastoring the church <laughs> that he started 20 years ago and started a church in his home. He's still catalyzing a work over in Africa and he's still working as an electrician. Okay. So, um, but the church that started in JT's home five years ago is still going. Um, there uh, was a church that has reproduced in every county. Um, the one in San Bernardino is a launch. Like there's a couple that was sent out of the church in Riverside. Um, the, uh, there are um, still now uh, seven first generation churches um, that were started through, through training. There are eight second generation churches nine third generation churches, a fourth generation church and a fifth generation church. And another fifth generation church is, is starting tonight. So I guess there's two fifth generation churches, um, uh, which absolutely blew our minds when we put that down. Mm-hmm. And that, that like, that's, that's just like, a, we're about to have like a, a mid-level. And so I know there's more than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is very conservative. And with the exception of the two fifth gen gatherings, all of them have got, as far as church circle, church health goes, they're baptizing. Mm -hmm. uh, They are praying. They're making disciples. There's they're consistently gathering love for one another. They're worshiping. They're doing the Lord's supper. They're giving. um, They're in the word they've identified as church. And, uh, they're start, they have leaders and they're starting to appoint elders, um, or they're part of a, uh, 
a network where there's, you know, area elders. And so, um, that the, the church circle has been a real, like from acts two has been a really helpful tool, not just for discipleship, but for establishing like healthy church. Um, five of those 20s. Oh, and there were four other churches that had started that have folded. And I think one of the biggest reasons of those four churches that are no longer meeting is uh, the person who started it. um, Once they stopped, the church stopped. Hmm. And so I think a, um, just the importance of releasing authority and responsibility um, is, is, I mean, I think we're just kind of doubling down on that now, as far as like, you know, sharing roles and um, that it, it, this can't be personality driven. Um, even if they're not trying to, like, I think just the intentionality of releasing authority and responsibility. As We've much. sent out um, four or no, one, two, three, four, five, six, six families to other cities in the U S and we have sent out 11 full-time missionary units to the nations, three single girls and eight families. Five of these 20, 26, 27 churches, five of them have crossed language and culture with disciple making or church. Planning. And Tim has been really helpful with that. Um, and Sean, um, those guys are, are especially like micro focused on unreached people groups, but we're seeing not just with those guys streams, but other churches where like, it's just, it's just spreading like, you know, uh, to Spanish speaking communities, uh, Japanese, um, the gospel is beginning to spread across language and culture. Um, and, uh, but the, I think the part that really surprised me like was the mobilization piece. Cause you know, Jeff, we, we came out here with a vision for the great commission pipeline and Jeff really encourages, you know, movement to mobilization and um, I'm not saying there wasn't a push for great commission globally, but we weren't, we weren't trying to send people, mm. um, but it was happening. And, um, so of the 11 units that we've been able to send out of this network, nine of them are focused on the unreached overseas. Um, so, and so now we're, we're learning as a network of churches, how do we, you know, we're not just sending, but okay, how do we, how do we serve these people? How do we, you know, um, and uh, and we just had our our first missionaries that we sent out long term come home uh, about four months ago from the Middle East, and the stories they were telling of what God was doing, and the encouragement they gave as far as like we learned how to do this here and this and going around to these churches and saying, God, what you're doing here, we're doing there, you know, like mm. and. Um, because when you, when you, with the exception of zeal and rise, probably like, you know, cause they, those are, they're like probably at 30 to 50 people, you know, like they're, they're big. They're, um, but the most of these churches are living room size communities that are, are faithful. They're 
they're doing the work, they're sharing the gospel, confessing sin, like church disciplines happening, like, but it's, it's unimpressed. It's like a living room sized community. That's really like, you know, you don't see it as like this, Oh wow. This is like a radical kingdom, you know, like frontline ministry. It is, but you know, you, you, you wouldn't take a picture of this and post it on, on the internet. And say, this is changing the world, but it is. And when you step back and look collectively at what God is doing across the city, it's like, this is just the beginning because there's, there's seven of the third generation churches that are about to, they're on the cusp of multiplying and that's not by human effort. So it just feels like the beginning of, oh my goodness, Lord, you really are doing this. And we're so encouraged by the people that are being sent, what they're seeing, experiencing, and get, you know, getting to do uh, in these harder reach areas. Like, okay, Lord, being a part of a reproducing church is equipping people to do the work where God's calling them and having them land with other NPL teams over there. Uh, and then, uh, you know, my daughter's going over there and seeing the work on a, you know, on a gap semester, my son is going over and, and starting to, you know, is, is going spring semester. Like now we're starting to see a whole gener- like a generation of missionaries that have grown up in this that are deploying. And, um, it's like, I don't know, God's playing ch- chess and we're, we're not even playing checkers. So, um, it was not a big strategy of ours to do this. <laughs> the Lord, the Lord's doing it where I, I think that we've been able to, you know, be faithful with what's in front of us. And then we're just marveling at what God is doing downstream. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the Movements podcast, why don't you spread the word on social media or leave a review wherever you get your podcast. This is Steve Edison for the Movements podcast.